So this is actually a good question, Kim. How do we start? Because you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you do your intro and then we just jump right in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Media Literate, a collaborative podcast where a rotating cast of grad students talk about the movies that inspired us to take on massive amounts of student debt. I'm Kim Henry, your omniscient narrator. To quote several wise men throughout history, there is nothing new under the sun. That especially applies to movies. This week, Colton Elsey and Anne Zhang discuss one of the most rehashed movies of all time, the 1954 Japanese film Gojira, or as we know it in the US, Godzilla. They compare the original to the 2014 remake and dig beneath the surface to uncover what themes and filmmaking techniques changed over 60 years. Colton and Anne are joined this week by a very special guest who just cannot resist the call of the spotlight. You guessed it, it's me again. I actually wasn't scheduled to be on this episode, but the topic sounded so cool that I convinced my fellow co-hosts to let me butt in. I hope you're just as excited as I was to let Colton and Anne take me to school on the king of the monsters himself, Godzilla. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Media Literate. I'm your host today. My name is Colton, and I'm here with Kim. I'm back, baby. And with my co-host, Anne. Hi, everyone. I'm Anne. Today on this episode of Media Literate, we are going to be comparing the old versus the new, originals versus the new and revised. And to help us grasp some of this concept, we decided to look at the new Godzilla from 2014 versus the original from 1954. But as with every episode uh, here on Media Literate, we like to start things off with a quantitative scientific method for the topic. So this <laughs> week again, we are turning back to BuzzFeed. Thanks, Buzz. Amazing. We've, uh, we've all taken a BuzzFeed quiz about Godzilla, helping us find out which of the monsters from the 2019 film we would be. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Colton actually did this quiz immediately before we hit record mm -hmm. uh, he did skipped the homework until last minute so i want to know what yours was because we got to watch you take the quiz real yes. time we did okay so i want to know if anybody guesses this correctly but i got mothra really oh my gosh me too wait really <laughs> yeah and so what did you get that is so funny i got godzilla <laughs> what I, well, that's okay. good because they're like friends they like save each other so I this guess. works out for us what does what did your um, little BuzzFeed blurb at the end say? Godzilla's. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll read a first like sentence of it. Uh, it says, you got Godzilla. Uh, you're a very calm and collected person most of the time. Mm, when like the get monster. On... Yes, I guess. Monster most of the time. But when people get on your bad side, your temper is nothing short of legendary. <laughs> that is the first <laughs> sentence, which is not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Okay. Yeah. So Mothra's is you're a fairly peaceful and fairly. noble person with a heart of gold. 
feel good about themselves when they're around you and everyone wants to be your friend. You're a natural born leader and live life purely on your own terms. And so here's, here are my thoughts about this. Yes. Um, these are not descriptions for gigantic monsters <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> this is that why we love inadvertently uh, murder thousands of people per movie, I'm going to say. I don't know. Mothra like protects Godzilla. So. Oh yeah. Godzilla cool never stepped on nobody. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, not this in feels... the 54 film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? well, he did. I mean, he did be, he was much more destructive in that film than in the 2019 one. So. Dang. Yeah. I would not have put that together just based on the, um, the buildings that get a, a little bit, I guess we we see more of it in the uh, in the later ones, but mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. So, um, but this I would say is probably a pretty dramatic difference between how we consider Godzilla in 1954 as opposed to today. As what were you again? You're um Anne. Godzilla. How do we, you think of Godzilla? What's the line? What was the description? Oh, um, you're a very calm and collected monster most of the time. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Calm and collected is how <laughs> things have changed, I think you could say. I guess, yes. <laughs> and that's actually what this is all about. We're going to be talking about the way that the movies have changed and how the depictions have changed and how we think about that today. So before we actually break this down, uh, the question that we want to consider today on every episode, we kind of come in with a question. The question that we want Kim to consider today that both Anne and I are going to talk about is the difference between old art and new art, specifically the original Godzilla and the new rendition. And can we choose which one was better at doing its job um, as art? So which one had yeah. more of an effect on the culture? Which one did a better social commentary? Yeah, oh, the culture. The culture. Uh, <laughs> I, I was not supposed to be on this episode. I was supposed to just hang out for episode one. Um, but you're back but again. It, it the fans so demanded it. Fun, and I hadn't, yeah. as, as people I mean, who listened to the last episode know, I had not seen many movies, including <laughs> the original Godzilla. So seemed like a great opportunity. I mean, who who doesn't want to come when they hear monster films? So monster fight. Exactly. Wouldn't blame you. Fight. So the big uh, <laughs> the big question for you today, Kim is to think about good art moves us to be better people. And it also helps us to consider things going on in our environment. And so we want you to think about which film did a better job and which one would you consider a better monster as well. All right. And one of the reasons we have Anne here is to help us look at the way that the films were captured. Um, Anne, do you wanna talk a little bit about your background in that? Um, sure, yeah. So I'm kind of like an early film, I wouldn't say buff, but I really love early film and also love uh, technical and practical effects. And my research interest is in archiving. So film as in physical film, it's probably one of my favorite things. So yeah, so that's why I'm here to talk about specifically the 54 Godzilla, basically. <laughs> I don't know, Anne, I'd say you're pretty buff. <laughs> thank, thank you. You. You, did, <laughs> you did get Godzilla, so. Yeah, I did get quiz. Godzilla. Yeah, Mothra's more of a, um, you know what? I'm not going to say that. Let's just move on. <laughs> That's okay. So before we jump in, uh, a lot of people that might be listening to this are wondering, why are we talking about monsters? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Why are we talking about movies at all? Uh, some people might be curious about 
why we spend time doing this. And the key is that monster films are rarely about monsters. Movies are rarely about the things on screen, but they're about so mm. much more. Um, and to kick off kind of that idea, I actually wanted to read a quote by uh, a theorist who studies monster films particularly. His name is Adam Charles Hart. So Adam Charles Hart says, Monsters should be understood as phobic objects, as a location onto which anxieties can be placed. There's something reassuring about monsters. They give form to the formless, allowing us to place and even fight back against anxieties that we may not even be able to articulate. Mm -hmm. That's so. a really good quote. And I think it reflects pretty well in both of the Godzilla films we're talking about today. Yeah. And they're always contextualized. So... Yeah. Yep. And the monsters come from somewhere, right? Mm. Between The Walking Dead to Super 8 to Godzilla, the stories are never really about monsters. They're always no. about something else, mm -hmm. about being human, how we deal with conflict and all of those things. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the difference between the two monsters from the 1954 mm. and the 2014 kind of reimagination. And then Anna's going to talk a little bit about the production, the exhibition aspects of these two films. Which were pretty interesting. Yes. And very different. <laughs> Definitely. And we're going to wrap up looking at the historical context and the reception. And then we're going to have Kim answer the important question of which one did a better job. All right. So first we're looking at Gojira. Gojira is a 1954 rendition. It's the original Godzilla. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to start comparing the difference between the two monsters, one thing to think about is where did the monsters come from in these two different films? Mm -hmm. That says a lot about the society. So the original 1954 Godzilla was a monster that was awoken because of nuclear testing, right? Yeah. So during the 50s, mm -hmm. late 40s, hydrogen bomb. And the company Toho actually pulled the idea because there was a ship called the Lucky Dragon that was actually contaminated from the hydrobomb, hydrogen bomb testing. Oh, because the there is a ship that was blown up at the very beginning of uh, yeah. the original Godzilla, right? Yeah, yeah. And it gave them the whole idea to make it. Yeah. I was shocked by the... Um like how good those sequences were. And I'm pretty sure they just set bombs. And maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves into Ant segment, but no, no, those, no. those ships exploding at the beginning of Godzilla were like, whoa, or good. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this relates to the obvious, like the bombing that was going on. And then obviously this comes from Japan. Japan just went through World War II. So they experienced a lot of the threats from the bombs. And so in yeah. their rendition, this evil monster comes because of the bombing. So if you actually compare that to the 2014 version, which is American, mm -hmm. uh, the monster comes from deep sea exploration. It's like deep sea exploration awakened this monster that was there. Yeah. And then they, they have flashbacks where they say the 1954 nuclear tests were really just an excuse to try and mm -hmm. destroy the monster. Mm -hmm. And so... In, in one sense, the monster was awoken because of the nuclear testing. And in the American version, we have a monster where the nuclear testing was created to defeat it. So there's already like a really big difference there. What a there. convenient little change they made. I wonder if anyone in the production department noticed how they just slipped America right out from the... Uh, Bus. Somewhat negative position, <laughs> perhaps the figure of an overarching, like a meta villain. And yeah. now it's actually like, no, 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 no. You guys don't understand. We were, the bombs were for Godzilla. That's it. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. 
Kim, just you wait. <laughs> oh, it do? I have it, seen it I have seen the 2014 Godzilla in case anyone else is like Kim doesn't watch movies. She doesn't know what she's talking no, about. I didn't it, see that movie. You did. In you theater. saw 38 movies from the last list and one of them <laughs> Godzilla wasn't on that list. If it were, I would have <laughs> it seen 39. It should have been. Well, not the four, the 2014 one was you didn't miss much basically, Kim. You No, didn't... I did see that one. Oh, you did in see theater. that. One. Yeah, I went with my oh. whole group of like little teen nerd friends. We were like, this is our night out on the town. It was great. I watched Godzilla destroy a city. Many Fair cities. Fairly. Yeah. So but- so we have the the contrast between the two of of where the monster comes from. But then also have a big contrast between the two of what the monster does kind of throughout the movie. So in yeah. the 1954, right, Godzilla is evil. It destroys the cities. Um, and at the end, it's destroyed by scientists. Scientists come up with a machine. They get rid of the monster. They save the day by sacrificing themselves. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept is that we see the destruction, but science saves the day. In the 2014 version, mm-hmm. there's also this military fight that goes on, but the military can't stop the monster. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like Godzilla becomes a hero that kills the other monster, the the Muto, that they call it. And so they kind of flipped like what Godzilla does in the movie. He's evil in the first one. Mm-hmm. He becomes the savior figure in the second one. Definitely. Big difference. I'm surprised they didn't have America still create Godzilla on accident. Like, yes, we made nuclear bombs. Those were bad. And it was on but, purpose. And it was on purpose. But you know what? When we made Godzilla, he actually is very helpful in this movie. So you see, once again, America quite all right. Well, and and in the American ones, Godzilla feeds off of the radiation and makes it go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very (laughs) sunflower. It's very interesting. (laughs) I was just thinking that there was actually so Colton, your point actually made me think of there was an not an adaptation because they use the original Mm. uh, script. The 1956 version. Yes. That was so super interesting because that was not so far away, so far away from, you know, World War II and everything. But the American version, basically, of the original Gazira from 54 actually cut out some of the very dark scenes that depicted after Gozira destroyed Tokyo. And then there was a little girl crying and also a lot of like scenes that are really reminiscent of the atomic bomb that US dropped in Japan. And no, replaced- no, no, it was Godzilla who dropped it. You're, you're mixing up history. That's what happened. Well, no, it's that the bombs were there to stop Godzilla. It wasn't to yeah. test a nuclear mm-hmm. weapon. It was there to stop this monster. They were trying yes. to do a good thing. Yeah. See, and that's why they had to change it in the movies to reflect history. Yeah, but I was just really intrigued by the fact that Naso, like, just they want to pop, they want to release this film so bad that they replace those film footage of uh, mm-hmm. an American, basically yeah, protagonist. So this, yeah. Yeah. So this is actually really good. So, so like Anne saying, so they, an American company saw the original 1954 Godzilla, loved mm-hmm. it, and bought the rights to mm-hmm. exhibit it in America. They did a 1956 version mm-hmm. where they took most of the same footage, they added a few more scenes, and they inserted like a American white protagonist, protagonist right? Yeah. And just added them into the film. And they changed it so that it was pro-American. They changed the name, did all these things, and then they gave it a huge release. And it actually, the American one got like, it was... $2 million in sales because they released it yeah. worldwide mm-hmm. versus the 1954 one only got like $45,000 in contemporary time in sales. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. a huge, it, uh, there's actually a, 
the American version did something interesting, the 1956 one. At the very end of the film, the uh, white protagonist that they add in, his name is Dr. Martin. And at yeah. the end of the 1956 American recut version, Dr. Martin says, like they defeat the monster and he says, the whole world could wake up and live again. Mm. Like it's over, we conquered it. In the Japanese version, uh, the Japanese scientist says, uh, I can't believe that Gojira was the only surviving member of its species. But if mm -hmm. we keep conducting nuclear tests, mm -hmm. it's possible that another Gojira might appear somewhere in the world again. Yeah. So America says it's over, we, con we conquered it. And Japan says, we got through it, but let's be careful and, and, and mm -hmm. not do these things again. And so you already have two messages embedded in the same Very kind different. of footage. Yeah, mm -hmm. which yep. is fascinating. Power which brings up a, an argument that we had with Laura about <laughs> what matters, the ending or the middle. And I think that we've realized that the ending is important, so. Yeah, <laughs> ended on two very different notes. How, how, how hopeful in the American one. And also the last shot was on the horizon of the ship that they were filming the sun rising up on the yeah, horizon. Yeah, it's, it's optimistic, yeah. So optimistic. So I can totally picture like an executive just watching the original cut and being like, those damn hippies. <laughs> what do you mean if we keep doing nuclear testing another guy? Hey! <laughs> was that a cigar? I think... I think they were hyper aware of the fact that the Japanese ending was a call to oh yeah be mm -hmm. aware of the you know power and the destruction a nuclear bomb can bring that's mm -hmm. why they changed the ending if they, right. they're not hyper aware of that they wouldn't have changed the ending so. oh yeah so the the contrast between these two is really interesting because Japan is saying through its media on a world level saying we got through this but we have to be careful and America is saying we're through it. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Like everything's fine. We're, you know, and that I don't know. That doesn't big. sound like American ideology at all. <laughs> Kim, all the sarcasm. We get it. <laughs> okay, so, I'm a lightly sarcastic person. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that because I'm, I'm not a very sarcastic person, and I really appreciate your sarcasm towards the U.S. Okay, that's good because there were a couple lives there. I was like. And know that I'm joking. No, no, no. I, I know stuff that would be very problematic <laughs> if I were serious. No. <laughs> but no, um, yes, that does sound indeed like American ideology. The <laughs> guy, the guy in the boardroom, the executive sitting there with his cigar, takes it out and says, "All right, hear me out. What if we add in a white American and we make it pro-nuclear?" Awesome. <laughs> and people are like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can see that. I can see that." So, so how is that, we've been talking about the um, difference between the 1954 and the 1956 Godzilla, so that recut, but how does that message um, differ from like the nuclear message with um, the most recent one? Obviously, like Godzilla is just like a big old sunflower just sucking up nuclear juice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there um, like, is there a context around that 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 would lead to that sort of political message? Or is it just that we're sort of in a post-political monster movie era? I, yeah, I, I would say, I would say mm -hmm. we're not in a post-political mon- I think everything still points back to it. And oh, if yeah. you look at the, right, so the structure of the first one is monster rises out of the ocean, destroys the city, scientists come up with a way to stop it, they stop it, and they warn the world to not awake more monsters. Mm -hmm. But the 2014, there's a monster in Japan that leaves from a third world country in South America, goes to Japan, mm -hmm. feeds off of oh. nuclear waste, 
and then turns into this massive beast. And then it goes around and Godzilla comes and kills the bad guy. Yeah. I love this element of the 2014 Godzilla movie because I was racking my brain because I haven't seen it since 2014, which I think is perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, so like if the the Muto comes out because of like XYZ thing happening and then it's in Japan feeding off the nuclear energy, then why does Godzilla show up again? What's going on? And then I remembered that they have their main scientists say, you know, nature knows how to write itself. And it's just like, oh yeah, no, Godzilla comes up to to balance the scales yep. in nature. Mm -hmm. And it's and what that translates to is a writer saying, like, um, please leave me alone. Like, what do you mean? Why does Godzilla exist? He's a big lizard. He shows up because <laughs> we want him to. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's interesting because uh, in the 2014 one, right, he he's praised. Godzilla is praised. He like walks slowly into the water at the end. And it's like he did this great, amazing thing. And we applaud him. King of the monster. The bad guy. King of the monster. <laughs> and I think um, it's, it's interesting. It's framed as nature, not man-made. Oh, yeah. Although yeah. it is, you know, very obviously influenced by all the testings and human activities that people do. And the fact that it's framing it the producer are framing it as a nature natural event it's frustrating especially in now that we're in the age of you know anthropocene as people will say but it takes mm -hmm. it takes away the blame if it's just nature right mm. yeah. if it just came up we were just we were just exploring and this thing happens so we had to stop it versus Definitely. this thing happened because of our actions to create you know atomic weaponry mm -hmm. um okay also, so i don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the trailer for the new Godzilla, oh yeah, King uh, Kong. the Godzilla versus Kong, which once again, I feel like is in this weird like they're trying. It's a nearly post political monster movie because why on earth would we in twenty twenty one be like King Kong sounds like a great use of our uh, political expenditures? Like no, but in that movie, the reason why they bring King Kong who is also a protagonist now yep. instead of like our weird byronic brooding hero <laughs> um, mm -hmm. they bring him to to fight Godzilla because and I quote the trailer Godzilla's hurting people and we don't know why <laughs> and oh the T-Rex the size of a skyscraper is hurting people and I'm you don't know around. why <laughs> yeah did he go out for like a midnight snack and just crush a city on accident like what do you mean did he burp and accidentally breathe atomic fire like what do you there's there's a, a uh, comedy guy, skit though. there like <laughs> godzilla just accidentally doing all these things oh my gosh and like, they're like we don't know why and it's like maybe because um wild animals do stuff <laughs> and this uh, one is the size of a city no so this is good this actually brings up kind of just the last point about comparing the two monsters is their size difference so the original Godzilla, 1954, uh, was like, yeah, was five feet tall. I watched this movie today. <laughs> 165 feet tall, and weighed roughly 20,000 to 60,000 tons, which is like, wow, 1,400 to 4,000 fully loaded school buses. Wow, like that's how much it would weigh. But if you compare it to the 2014 American one, that way makes everything bigger. He was 400 feet tall. Oh my God. So 
like two and a half times and would weigh as much as 6,000 school buses. It's and crazy. If you compare it to the 1997 one, they made Godzilla a boy again. <laughs> that's, were... that's my first Godzilla was the Matthew Broderick one. Oh. <laughs> where Godzilla is actually just a mama and she's trying to lay her eggs. That's why she hurt everyone. She's just trying to lay her eggs. Just leave her alone. Like, oh, I just want a Godzilla mama bear bumper sticker, but it's like, <laughs> I'm a mama lizard or whatever. <laughs> All right, so that's... Uh kind of a big difference between what the monsters are doing, their sizes, all of those things. So, Anne, why don't we talk a little bit about like how the films capture the monsters? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there are great differences between the two films just because of the years they were released. There were, there's about like half a century between the two of them. And the original Godzilla, people would think at the beginning, actually, you would think, oh, it's probably stop motion or puppetry. But it actually was a thing called summation. I don't know if, if people heard of that. It's, yeah, what's that? No. So summation, it's something, it, well, allegedly, this is the first film summation was uh, basically utilized to make does, a feature film. Does yeah. it work with tsunami? Because he creates a tsunami <laughs> when he comes out of the water. So they're like, that's a good joke. Summation. <laughs> that's, that's a good that's joke. A good joke. I feel like you haven't laughed at so many of my jokes in this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you have to verbalize. No, oh, I tsunami. I, <laughs> I really dig American puns. So I'm not from the US and I really dig puns. And it's just <laughs> lovely. <laughs> um, but no. <laughs> one point for Colton, zero points for Kim. Just keeping track. Okay. Well, I'm the one who gets to decide how this oh, podcast right. That's right. Up. Kim is not 100 excited. points to Kim, zero points to Colton. Exactly. Thank you very much. Oh my god. But okay, back back to summation. I think I should pronounce it as summation instead of two. Um so it's actually suit suit as in a suit oh, summation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's it they omit the e in the middle so I kind of like goes goes forward. So it's there's a word for that. <laughs> Keep talking. Okay. Uh, but basically, summation, what they did is they created this giant rubber plus plastic and other material suit for the actor to wear. And there is actually a person in it. That's why the, you wouldn't, I wouldn't say animation anymore, but that's why the movement of the 1954 Godzilla, why it was so fluid and so good. Because compared to that, Compare that to King Kong, which was earlier than that. King Kong was fully done, like the original King Kong was fully done on uh, stop stop motion, like stop oh, wow. motion animation. Yeah, it's a, a portmanteau. That's what that word is for two okay. words that you put together: summation, portmanteau. Ah, gotcha. The more you know, kids. Oh my god. <laughs> that will be on the test. So, <laughs> but that's basically what they thought they were going to do is stop motion animation for all the monsters because that's the standard in those times but they were stop motion is really really time consuming and also cost is costly it costs at least two three years to finish all the things because you have to literally move 
the clay models and all the like skeletonized models frame by frame. And there's 24 frames per second for a film. And think about how many seconds are in a feature film. So that's how much they have to do with a stop motion. So they, they basically try to find a better solution and they found they can create like miniaturized models and then let a person to dress up in Godzilla's so wait. And are you telling me that they found a 165 foot tall guy? Oh my God. And they're like, hey, will you wear <laughs> the suit? suit. <laughs> I mean, how long did it no. take them to make the suit, Anne? That's a, that's a good question. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it's a regular person, but that's the that's the magic of early filmmaking is that you use a lot of practical effect. They created these like streets that look like Tokyo and these like wooden tiny miniatures that the person in the monster suit can just smash like with their hands and everything but allegedly the suit like weights about a hundred kilogram which is i don't know how many pounds but oh, that's, that's like some foreign units of measure sorry and we don't, don't do that here we okay look that what up. is a kilogram <laughs> Kilogram. By, by that I mean I can't tell I can't convert units of measure unless I have it written down in a recipe book. It's, like... <laughs> it's about two hundred and twenty pounds. <clears throat> so, Oof. yeah, that's how heavy the suit was, literally. Did the person and... die? Is this one of the no moments? no no? Okay. The person played. Sometimes people die on set in old movies. Oh my god! <laughs> no, nineteen fifty four was a time when production code was much better than the early twentieth century, which was a horrible. I don't know, Wizard of Oz. That's right, people die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So the person who played uh, Godzilla in the original film, uh, Haruo Nakajima, was actually playing Godzilla for like 15 different films after that. He was the original Godzilla, but he also played a lot after the original film. Do you think that that means we could also say that he was um, also pretty film buff? Callback, that's a callback joke. Oh my God. Well, yes. he did have to carry around a 200 pound suit. So, yeah, probably. Um, was... There's actually this mm -hmm. one excellent line um, in one of the early Godzilla attack scenes from the 1954 one, mm -hmm. um, where to make this sort of suit nation situation work, the main doctor like runs up to the army guys and he's like, no, you have to tell them don't shine searchlights on Godzilla. It'll just make him more mad. And it's like, oh, it would also probably make it much more obvious what this suit <laughs> looks like, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's why lighting were so like chosen specifically for Godzilla. There's not many times that he appeared during daytime, if you mm -hmm. like There's think the about it. There's the one that it's just his head like peeking yeah. over a hill. I love that scene because everyone like, Here's the footsteps, and they run up the hill. And they all look a long over. shot of them like running up mm -hmm. the hill, and then they get closer. They're like, "Oh no!" And they all run down the hill, yeah. and everyone's running. And then Godzilla's head pops up, and he goes, Rawr! Um, And then he goes, "Yeah." And so then he actually he walks away, and then everybody runs up the hill again, and it's <laughs> excellent. You got to think about because like that introduction of Godzilla, like the monster coming into the frame is what a lot of other films kind of use of that introduction of having mm -hmm. this monster come in front of a crowd of people. Mm -hmm. You see it in The Host, you see it in other movies, Jaws in Jaws. So we think like it looks so primary, preliminary. It looks so not amazing to us, but this yeah, was I've, new. Mm -hmm. And this was pretty, like this was a big deal. Yeah, this was a huge deal when it was released. And like, 
I mean, even if the original didn't make that much money, you know, the remake still used many of the Godzilla footage and that was like a huge hit globally. Mm-hmm. And people, I mean, we have to think differently of the what audience think of the effects yeah. based on the time they were living in. And that's like kind of, you know, how we view this earlier renditions. And I also would say like the early Godzilla wasn't looking that bad. Comparing to King Kong, he looks pretty good um, a handsome yeah. lizard right there yeah um, and he I, moves uh-huh. okay so i had a couple questions he does move surprisingly well also yeah. lizards look like men in rubber suits have you ever seen the planet earth um that has komodo dragons on it not that really, episode of planet tells- earth they they walk and they do it all in like excellent imax um slow-mo etc cetera, etc cetera. planet earth is an incredible docuseries um but Have as the Komodo dragons sort of like walk, you see their paws and they look exactly like the rubber suit from Godzilla, just sort of like flapping around. They have like a little bit of rubbery like jiggle to them. It's very funny. <laughs> um, okay, but I do have a question about one of the effects, but it's not visual, Anna. So I, I'm not sure if you can answer it, but I'm deeply curious. Okay, I'll try. Um, the voice, the roar of the original Godzilla what is that because it is um it's not that colton but <laughs> close enough try <laughs> i got mothra so i can't yell like godzilla yeah no Ma- we're to, yeah. we're humble monsters we uh peaceful are peaceful with Noble. a heart of gold <laughs> calm constructed exactly um but do you know what that <laughs> okay colton this is a visual medium the audience cannot see flapping right now so it's, a, it's an auditory medium it's an audi- audio oh my gosh, medium sorry this isn't a visual medium the audience <laughs> can't see flapping right now as colton but, okay, flaps and, his wings nice david attenborough thank Ooh. you anyway then mm-hmm. what is the like wow <clears throat> I don't think I found enough things and research on exactly what that sound was but I'm I can make assumptions, but uh, assumption might not be completely correct. You make but... an assumption, I'll Google it, and then I'll pop it in the outro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I genuinely think they're human voices. And really? Yes. I assumed it was like, it sounded like metal tearing. You but know that... also you can, so this is a going to like a little technical perspective, but it, yeah. early sound effects are this does not apply to specific this case but just generally early sound effects are done on um many different mediums but mostly i would say during this time it's gonna be on mag so mag strips mm-hmm. i don't know if that makes sense like but... a magnetic strip yes exactly mm-hmm. yes yes and they're specifically made for motion picture film i've only done personally 16 millimeter magnetic tri- strips so i can't say for actual theatrical release but when we're doing like effects on um 16 millimeter you it, do it basically kind of well there's two ways you can either co- convert it from like a computer computer or digitalized sound but or you can do a lot of um actual physical um, like a foley table sort of situation yeah, and you can do a lot of things with the recorder too. Like you can change a lot of things. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's a wild assumption. And that's just a general like 
reference to the very holistic filmmaking process, not specifically Godzilla. But I'm assuming it's human voice and then modified. I'm going to make a wild assumption not from an educated place like how you did. And <laughs> I'm going to say it might be wild assumption here. Um, the actual Godzilla? Oh, yeah. The it, I think it's live footage, mm -hmm. live audio of Godzilla in real life, IRL. Um, like, maybe they went to a steel plant or something, and they just listened to, like, metal tearing. They just recorded just maybe a slow-motion <sighs> car crash for a while. <laughs> that yeah. is what I hear when I listen to Godzilla. Yeah. Um, so, so that's the possibility. I think we are both coming from around equally uh, <laughs> educated points of view. Absolutely. So like, you know, you have to, this is a platform for all opinions. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think, of ideas. I think that's plausible too, honestly. Like I honestly that's, think that's plausible. And there's, there's people that goes around, literally goes around to collect sounds. Like there are like directors that are famous for having those sound guys that just goes around with a recorder and collects sound for them. For mm -hmm. example, David Lynch. But um, yeah, so that's also a plausible uh, solution to that <laughs> horrific, horrific roar Godzilla has. So one point, and Anne, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but one of the biggest differences, obviously, is that the original Gojira was shot on film mm -hmm. versus... I haven't checked into this, but the 2014 used digital <laughs> capabilities, right? Yeah, CGI. And, and shooting on film is a totally different experience because when you're shooting something on film, mm -hmm. you're literally burning through money with every shot. Yeah. Whereas yeah. A, a digital, when you're on set, the director can immediately watch what was shot, mm -hmm. make adjustments. And so I feel like that in and of itself is going to change the style of movie because when you shoot something on film, you, you have to really look and make sure you get it right. Mm -hmm. versus digital it's like oh let's we can just do it again you know we can always record more yeah and you can always just put that monster guy yep wherever wherever copy yeah. paste to the left is um you know what animation is very difficult it's very expensive <laughs> and i don't want to if any animators or any um non-close family friends shout out <laughs> to the close family friends who are listening to this maybe um, if anyone listens to this, I don't want to belittle the the task <laughs> of animation, but you know, you can do it. Just pop it over. But yeah, yeah. so I mean, that that changes like the whole. I just I, I think of like how much in tune with looking and being precise that you have to be because you know it's going to cost you mm. money every time you roll the camera versus like. Yeah, in digital, just it's again. just yeah. Digital is definitely less costly for sure. And it's a huge savior for a lot of, especially like independent filmmakers. Although I would say early filmmaking, especially like, you know, feature film 35 or even 70 for MX, uh, it's 70, much more- 35 and 70 what? Millimeter. Yeah, what do you mean? Film. 35 millimeter film is the standard for theatrical production. And then 70 millimeter is uh, IMAX film that's hmm. only shot on IMAX camera. IMAX film basically uh, goes horizontally frame by frame from, think of it as from left to right. And then 35 millimeter film is like vertically and then it goes from kind of top down. Like, yeah, the longest, the longest side touches each other. And then for IMAX is the shorter side that touches each other. So what can you- Oh, 
Okay, Jim I just had relaxed. no idea what you were saying that whole time. I was like, oh yeah, shapes. I'm great with <laughs> visualizing those. Cool. <laughs> but I was also gonna say, Colton, you also made a good point that um, what like the effects in Godzilla and also a lot of the early films that they use like a lot of double exposure and match shot to in mm-hmm. order to get the special effect that the monster is actually attacking the city because. Mm-hmm. And have- for our folks at home, do you want to describe what double exposure? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is? I mean, so basically, you for for example, there was a shot in the early Godzilla that he comes into Tokyo and was stomping into the city where there's water running in in uh-huh. the, in the bottom half of the frame. And that shot, if you look really really closely, you see basically the first half of the frame and the second second half of the frame are disjointed. Like you can see it kind of moves slightly individually in different directions. So those shots are usually composed of two exposures. Uh, the so first- like They film one thing and then they film another thing on the same yes. film? Yes. yes. And then they combine them together. Yes. And two exposures basically. And as long as you cover some part of the frame uh, and make it black, it won't expose. And then you can uh, re- re-expose the same strip to have other image. Um, basically replacing the black part of the the first time. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. how you do practical effects. That's and that's what impressed me, you know, about early films, mm-hmm. just personally. That's also another really interesting element of the differences or an interesting difference between the first Godzilla, Gojira, and the 2014 one, because people were furious about that. I mean, the, the response was generally like meh, but people who were really excited for the movie to come out were like, where's Godzilla? Like, what? Hey, he's supposed to be, I want to I want to watch this thing destroy a city. Mm-hmm. And they were, the filmmakers were very um, reluctant. Oh, yeah, reluctant, chaste, modest with their <laughs> monster. Um, only showed the ankle a lot. But, you know, people he's were very, bigger, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting when like those choices become that are made out of necessity with an early film and also that change that um, have a massive impact on the audience who are like, whoa, that's a big monster. I'm totally into it. Mm-hmm. In 2014, we're like, um, first of all, what is moderation? Stop that. Give us much more of the monster immediately. Oh yeah. Um, and they didn't have to make that choice. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a decision of like, how do we make this movie work? How do we mm-hmm. show the monster without showing yeah. that it's fake? Um, but we were we were simply not satisfied. Once again, though, different with the 1997 version. That, uh, that fake was very, monster was all over the screen. Very fixated on that version. <laughs> yeah. That is just a T-Rex, first of all. <laughs> and it is everywhere. Oh, fun fact. Um, did you know Godzilla the actual name of Godzilla is a combination of uh, the Japanese word uh, for gorilla and then the Japanese word for whale. Okay, thank you so, so, so much for bringing this up, Anne, because I was really curious, but kind of embarrassed to ask because like in my mind, I was like, okay, well, how do we come up with Godzilla from Gojira? In in Japanese, gorilla is gorilla and then whale, like the, the... see things well is it kojira kojira yeah oh oh my god yeah see like that that is fantastic um because i was wondering like 
is that just a word they made up basically or mm. is it it's a combination okay. yeah that you know what that is you know what that is Anne? i that's forgot what you portmanteau. said that's a what that's a portmanteau it is. second callback joke of the podcast oh my god i'm doing my job i'm pulling my weight y'all <laughs> killing it yeah but kim that was a great point actually to kind of think about audience reception for the two movies as well because i think like you were saying how like audience want to see the actual monster like they want to they go to the movie theater because they want to see the monster but i was thinking like what the audience were actually thinking when they saw the first one because it was in my opinion much more emotionally impactful than the second one and in many ways like oh the newer one yes yeah yeah in many ways yeah no that brings up a good point because we have Godzilla attacking a city like nine years after you know the bombings destroyed Mm -hmm. several cities in Japan right and so I think that hits home very differently versus in the Americans perspective even in 1956 that was what helped them win the war Mm -hmm. and so like destroying a city that's away from them feels very different and I like how you were saying now people go to the theater and we're all like hedonistic children we just want to see the destruction and the monster and you know we're like chanting for it it's a bloodthirsty mm-hmm. ritual and th- those two are very contrasted mm-hmm. right so so people would have felt very differently about it in the 50s in Japan specifically versus now where we just we want our violent sexual everything thrown into a movie and like yeah we'd more and more and more there was a moment where I was like you know hey, God, Godzilla 2014 isn't that sexual, but the Mutos are mating. That's the whole conflict. <laughs> that, oh, no, they're going to get together and do some stuff in, I think, Chinatown, San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, how, I guess uh, if you're um, looking for a place to hook up. Chinatown. It's a nice spot. They got great dim sum. And this is America coming in and sending their monster to like break it up. That's censorship at its finest. Like, whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, Can't okay. be here. You <laughs> could, you would have been fine, but you're trying to have sex. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of interesting implications for sure. Definitely. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the way that the two Godzillas differ. We've talked about the historical context. We've looked at the way that the monsters were created, all of those things. So Kim, we're going to toss it back to you. To look at, to, to, to wrap up what you think about the differences between these two films, old, new, social context. Yeah, we've covered a lot of differences between these two films, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and it is pretty clear which one you are more impressed by, <laughs> or at least engaged in as, as an archivist oh, or wow. a, a film buff, I think we could say. Oh, yeah, thanks. no, I'll give it to you. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to decide which one is more effective in part because America, like Hollywood is so trash. Here's the thing is that they made a very good argument for why we're totally fine. <laughs> we are very blameless in history and it's all okay. And it's just nature, you know, nature is the one that just kind of popped Godzilla back up into mm-hmm. um, into society to fight the bad monsters which are different from the good monsters mm-hmm. so, because you know, they're mating again Ooh, yes that's that's marriage why yeah family values as <laughs> yeah. well yeah 
Godzilla's just trying to defend the values of the home. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yep. So, no, I, I, I think that the original 1954 Godzilla or Gojira has a, a much better moral standing as far as like the concerns that it's bringing up. Um, and as an anti-imperialist, as much as I can be with a smartphone, um, I definitely lean towards that film. But I think a, another conversation that would be really interesting to have that we touched mm -hmm. on is the difference between the 1954 original cut of Gojira yep. and the um, 1956 yeah. American cut. And that way, sort of, we're looking at, like, what is effective and how effective is America as a basic classic Hollywood villain twirling its mustaches and making content that is much more palatable and pro-American. But, um, but Kim... Yes. The 2014 one made so much more money. And so did the 1956. Doesn't that make it better art? For the culture. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's, listen, I don't think anyone who listens to a bunch of grad students talk on a podcast is are, are going to be like, yeah, money's the goal. Money's how that's you judge why. things. <laughs> Colton, um, fun fact for listeners, is the only single person of our cohort who is going to go on to make any amount of money. I was really afraid that you were going to end that sentence. Colton <laughs> is the only single person on our cohort. I was going to say that's Period. not I said, true. That's oh no. Pretty... <laughs> Colton, you know what? <laughs> My I number's would advise you to take a trip to Chinatown. I hear it's for lovers. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> what a good I don't know if, if, if they look Thank like you. the Mudo, I don't know if I'm there yet. Give me a few months. Quarantine's been rough. <laughs> Because first you gotta you gotta grow like four hundred feet tall. That's yeah. Then Godzilla might show We're up. We're here for our short kings, okay? Height's nothing but a number. Thank you, yeah. because I think Do I'm you... the shortest one in our cohort. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I I got to meet Anne in person recently, yay. and I was a little bit surprised. But like I said, here for our short kings. Talking um, on a on a dating app. Uh, Do you have any kinks? Yeah. Could you look like? That weird monster thing from the 2014 God, Godzilla. I feel like we are getting off topic. <laughs> oh my God. No, I, I agree that um, I think that the 2014 Godzilla is actually probably more effective for the reasons why it was criticized when it oh, came yeah. out for for holding back and being a little bit modest with their their use of the monster. Um, but I will never, ever, ever forgive them for turning Godzilla into a protagonist. <laughs> that mm -hmm. It is truly the silliest thing I've ever seen in the world. Um, I, I enjoy a nice let them fight because that is epic. Mm -hmm. But let's not pretend that one, like it's a literal lizard. Our lizard brains don't have compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm actually very excited for the newest Godzilla to come out when... Godzilla's hurting people, and we don't know why. Um, so I'm just gonna laugh at all those fools in the movie theater. Just yeah, get stepped on. That was silly of you to think that lizard was on your side. Well, so Godzilla is only considered like the good guy when he has defeated everybody else, right? Mm. It's like this massive international power is good because it is stronger than all the other little monsters who try to rise up wow. to it. 
Wow, that's my this monster that gets stronger (laughs) because it because of nuclear weapons that it has absorbing into itself, it becomes Mm. stronger than the other monster because that's how it defeats the monsters. It absorbs a nuclear bomb. Yeah, attacks them. We really needed in this conversation. I would redo this whole episode if we just had one person with a strong radical conspiracy theorist reading of 2014 Godzilla showing up to say no actually this is a really subversive comment (laughs) on American imperialism on the global political stage oh my god that would be epic but I love your readings Colton because it's it's just so interesting how in some way America has never let go of the narrative of Godzilla because in the beginning American is Godzilla in the original one and then they adapted it and kind of constructed it in a like new kind of neoliberal way and this film makes money while also Godzilla in the film has become the power superpower that helped humankind and all the little teenagers like Kim when they go in 2014 they just want to see the big scary monster and that right there confirms that like Godzilla is doing its job to just be something for us to watch on screen. Oh, what a dark turn. So just to wrap it up too, the original Gojira came because of nuclear testing, bombings, all that. Mm. The 2014 one, it was slightly re-inspired because of the the Fukushima plant that had Mm -hmm. like a disaster in 2011. 2011, An earthquake. An earthquake. So Brian Cranston doesn't believe it though. Somebody that that same executive sitting there in the boardroom and something crazy goes and he goes, wait a minute, there was an earthquake and a nuclear power plant. This in is J- time to bring back yeah. Godzilla. <laughs> I've got an idea. <laughs> Capitalizing like on destruction. Anything bad happens in Japan, some American executive is like, in Japan, I smell a Godzilla sequel. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of Media Literate. We'd like to end our episode today as we do with every episode and check in on our friend Kevin in a segment we like to call We Need to Talk About Kevin. We're going to call our friend Kevin and ask him the most important question, has he watched Twilight? So I'm going to pull up his number here. Hello? Hi, Kevin, how are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Doing well. It's uh, Colton here, and I've got Kim and Anne on the uh, on the line as well. Go ahead and hi, say Kevin. hi. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kim. Hey, Anne. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Oh, I can, I can barely hear them. Yeah, I turn it up a little bit. Gotcha. All right, yes. so, Kevin, we have a very important question for you. <laughs> What's that? Yes. Uh, we're wondering <laughs> if you have yet seen the iconic, important... <laughs> world-renowned film from 2008, Twilight. <laughs> you know, I recall Kim asking me a similar question a few weeks ago. I have strong uh, feelings. No, unfortunately, I, uh, I, I haven't quite had the time. So you haven't, you haven't <laughs> watched it yet? I, I have not. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint. but <laughs> This is shocking. I know. The semester starting and all that, schoolwork and all that. It really sounded like you were going to watch it last time, Kevin. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes things happen and uh, 
and you break your commitments. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so Kevin, I think we need to set a time for you in which we, we can experience this movie. So, so what, what's best for your schedule? When do we need to get this on the books? We can get lunch too. Yeah. Maybe a I mean, it's, it's a pandemic, so it'll be virtual, but. Uh, well, you know, uh, my schedule is kind of, you know, kind of hard to pin down, you know. With... <laughs> what are you doing? Going to parties and stuff? What is this? What do you have going on, Kevin? Oh, poor Kevin. The, uh, the current, you know, uh, things going on in the world, you know, has to keep a, you know, so, social schedule. But I, I would say personally that watching Twilight would be the best way to emotionally handle all the things going on in the world right now, but to Accurate. each their own. So Kevin, so Kevin, today we talked about uh, Godzilla. And so we have a question for you about monsters. Based okay. on your limited understanding of the Twilight series, who do you think would win in a fight between a vampire or a werewolf and why? Ooh, okay. Well, like, it has to be a full moon, right? Because otherwise the werewolf totally, is useless. Totally, yeah. And yeah. nighttime for both of them. And nighttime. Yes, nighttime. Okay, yeah. So there's got to be some strict parameters. Otherwise, if it's just a fist fight between the two of them, I mean... <laughs> so the vampire and some dude, probably shirtless, based yeah, on what Twilight yeah, like, has taught us. Vampire in the sun and some guy. But anyway, uh, that's, that's hard to tell. Uh, does the, is it like a Skyrim vampire where they can like turn into like a bat demon sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Also, Colton, is it a teen wolf werewolf? Because those guys are, they know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll say teen wolf, teen wolf werewolf versus shapeshifter vampire style. Mm. On a full like Since we're not doing Twilight. Uh, I haven't seen Teen Wolf. But, uh... <laughs> Come on, Kevin. I, I have not either, actually. But anyway, and keep going. You can't be on this podcast anymore. I think that's what that means. <laughs> I might be what it's boiling down to, but I would have to, uh, given the um, parameters, probably go with. I'll go with the werewolf. Just I'll take the underdog here. We always knew you were Team Jacob. <laughs> Kevin doesn't know what that means. <laughs> hey, Kevin, you've got. Do you know what Team Ed- Team Edward and Team Jacob is? Isn't isn't Jacob the Taylor Lautner guy? Indeed. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not totally living under a rock. So. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Well, thank you for your time. We will check in with you in a few weeks. All right. So you have some time. I'll, I'll let you know if anything changes in the meantime. Awesome. Bye, buddy. That's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. And just so we don't leave you wondering... The original Godzilla roar is neither human, animal, nor slow-motion car crash. Japanese composer Akira Ifukube created the roar by rubbing a leather glove coated in pine tar resin over the strings of a double bass. Join us next week for more invaluable media fun facts such as these. Media Literate is a collaborative podcast produced by Colton Elzey, Sebastian Wurzreiner, Laura Broman, Kim Henry, and Julia Camus. Thanks again to this week's hosts, Colton and Anne Zhang. Anne also edited this week's episode. Our theme music is Soft Feeling by Chiel, and our logo was created by Julia.